Hey everyone, this is Jaime, and I'm here with Maddie. Uh, the show is Our Kids Asleep, and I would like to welcome you to the show. Uh, we should have some music that, that prob probably led into this, but now we're just going to talk about a couple of things that were on our mind. And if you're joining us for the first time, we talk about movies, television, music, throwbacks, and other shit shows. Do you think that covers everything? Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's about right. So Sometimes we... Uh... Rant and rave. Yeah, it's typically ending depending on, a, on the situation. Yeah, we end on a good note, ranting about all the shitty things in the world. Mm -hmm. But let's begin with some real shitty things. The documentary that we watched a little while ago in quarantine. Yeah, we watched the Netflix documentary Jeffrey Epstein. Is it just called Filthy it's Rich? Called Filthy Rich. Okay, it's Filthy Rich, and it's the Jeff Ep the Jeffrey Epstein documentary on Netflix. Yes. I don't know how to broach this one. This was a complete, <laughs> this was a horrifying experience. This was like a kind of a shock to me because I didn't really know. I knew who he was. I knew the name, but I didn't know. And I knew that he was like, uh, that he'd like been arrested for sex trafficking. That's what I thought this was. I thought okay. it was sex trafficking. Um, and so the abuse I mean, I guess I assumed right. there was probably some abuse, but it wasn't like, I didn't realize it was like the main the thing. Main reason. <laughs> well, I, I had no awareness of this person, you know, it just wasn't something that was on my radar. I know a lot of people specifically go out of their way to find, you know, these kinds of news on, on people who are sort of high society, you know, like that, that kind of. Do you mean before all this stuff before happened? Before all of oh, this, okay, I mean, yeah. you know, I, I only knew about Jeffrey Epstein when the thing happened. Yeah. Uh, when was it last year last year or two years or two ago. years ago yeah. yeah and i was like okay i, I kind of fell into the the conspiracy theory and the memes of of learning about this person through that that funnel of of just the twitter funnel the yeah yeah it was like saying well he didn't kill himself and mm -hmm. there was this and then that led me to go and learn a little bit more about the situation and you still feel like this this could all be like, I don't know. I'm so removed from this thing that, you know, uh, it's, he didn't seem like a nice guy though. No. And yeah. watching this really painted a thorough picture of the kind of monster that he was mm -hmm. completely, utterly horrified from episode one. And I'm really glad that it was only four episodes because I don't think I could have watched yeah. a long running it's or maybe four more episodes than that. and they're about an hour long each. So they began uh, just when they were setting the stage, right? About who Jeffrey Epstein was, how he came to be in that position of power, and the elements that would later make him this this horrific narcissist going on a power trip and and just humiliating and abusing as many people as possible. Um those are the things that really just, uh, I can't even like articulate the feeling of, of like disgust and, and sadness and horror of what I was watching. You know, I, I, it didn't start that way at the beginning cause mm -hmm. I was just like learning about him. But right when we were getting to the end, I mean, all of it started piling up together and the way that they were putting the show together, it just felt like I can't bear this mm -hmm. like it's it was horrific yeah it's um so he was he was just like a wealthy socialite essentially like yeah. he 
made his money on Wall Street sort of illicitly and, um, you know, was literally a billionaire. And but that's the thing. They don't really go into detail about how exactly he made his money because they did a little bit. Yeah. But like he started in this kind of like banking kind of thing. And eventually, I mean, you only know that he made a fraction of his money that way. Mm -hmm. But I think that there were other things that he was doing. I mean, that's, that's how he initially became rich. Right. And then from there, you know, he was, wasn't he fired from that job? Like he was, yeah, that, because yeah. he was a piece of shit. Well, he it was, was that banking yeah. place. Yeah, he was a criminal, and well, not that that place wasn't a criminal. Like it was a yeah, criminal think, enterprise. Well, that's the thing is when when his actions and his illicit behavior was far more than what those fucking crooks were doing. Yeah. That's when you knew something was morally mm-hmm. abhorrent about what he, he was didn't, up to or how he behaved. Yeah, that I think that was probably a lot of people's first indications of like who knew him that he didn't have a conscience. Yeah. Um <laughs> but um but yeah, like he, you know, so they kind of follow like follow him in like different places. So he had like houses all over the world. He yeah. had his own private island um which they called pedophile island. Um Jesus Christ. And so essentially like he had a um affinity for teenage girls. Um, anywhere from 13 to 16. And um, in Florida, the, the first couple episodes talk about the Florida house. Like he lived in West Palm Beach. Mm-hmm. Um, he had a mansion there. And um, he was neighbors with James Patterson, which is sort of strange. <laughs> and James, very random. James Patterson wrote a book about this and he helped produce this documentary. Um, and we also learned that I think the book that um patterson initially wrote Mm -hmm. was the basis for this documentary yeah because they have the same name so i think if there's more information to be had yeah probably probably uh, james patterson i keep i keep kind of blowing on the microphone so i'm sorry whoever's listening (laughs) yeah um and so like it you know it starts in florida he essentially his ploy and this doesn't change through the whole thing basically his ploy is that he um, invites a girl or girls to his home under the guise of a massage. Right. This motherfucker loves massages. Yeah. And so here he, comes the furnace, guys. Yeah. Well, it's the air conditioning <laughs> right now, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and under the guise of of getting a massage, and so these young girls, and then they, he would pay them like two hundred dollars for their time. Yeah. And um, of course, he doesn't just want the massage. Um, and, you know, he would abuse them in various ways, um, you know, all the way up to like raping and sexually assaulting them to just like molesting them. Yeah. But what, um, was, what was troubling though was, was the overall strategy. Like that was the strategy of abuse mm-hmm. specifically for luring children mm-hmm. to his, to his home. And he did set up like a sort of, what do you call it? Like a pyramid scheme for this kind sex of recruiting abuse. Yeah. yeah like a sex abuse and, and so he would have other kids who would go to his house go and recruit other kids right and it was it was just awful mm-hmm. uh especially for the the girls who were doing that particular job um it was it was pretty sad because they were preyed upon um well, what i oh sorry yeah. no go ahead but i was gonna say what i wanted to get at was the um 
the greater scheme of luring the police, the local police into a sense of security, as in like the first time that you meet Jeffrey Epstein, say, as like the local police chief or whatever, was him wanting to make a donation to mm -hmm. that police department or to do something nice mm -hmm. for the community to immediately like stamp his seal of like, I'm here, I'm a good person, this mm -hmm. is what I want to do so that he can kind of have some leeway or something to lord over them. It's leverage. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And and I thought that was it was super gross and and just weird. Yeah. Um, and unsurprisingly, you learn that the girls that he preys on are not from good homes. Yeah. They've experienced trauma and a, you know, just horrible things in their lives. There's drugs and you know, abuse and all sorts of stuff and so of course like a predator like that does not generally prey on like healthy, well-adjusted people right. because they're not as susceptible to the abuse. I got to get Oscar. Not... Hang on. He's going to step on the. Get down, dude. Get down. No. Oscar is. Ugh. He insists on walking across everything, every piece like of electronics. Like the most sensitive things. And the power button is, is very, uh, uh, it's right on top it's of where he steps. Poorly yeah. positioned. Yeah, and Oscar is just making that his pathway. Maybe I should just change my uh, my layout, even though it's it's really awesome right now. Um. Anyway, what were you saying? Yeah. Um. Just that you know he has a classic like abuser mindset, which is you prey on the girls that um that are susceptible to 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 the abuse but also to the exploitation like well they they don't have any defenses against that kind of of well they were also like 14 like most exactly, girls they, at that age most kids at that age have no like sexual they, very no little sexual awareness, awareness. About that. Yeah. yeah and i just i found it so absolutely heartbreaking when they were talking to the girls and then they're sort of explaining the type of abuse that they had experienced prior to even meeting Jeffrey Epstein. At, at that point, I mean, you, you hear their story and that alone, what they experienced in their childhood was horrible enough that they should not have, you know, like just experiencing that kind of childhood is just, mm -hmm. you know, I felt so bad for them. And then they were just at the wrong place mm -hmm. at the wrong time. Well, and you and know, that they just could, took it over the edge. They could make money and that was, for a lot of them, that was a main motivation is like, I got to get the hell out of yeah, here. And, and, and this guy is offering me opportunity and money. And for some of them, he was like flying them around the world and giving them these, you know, him and his girlfriend, um, his weird sociopathic let's, girlfriend. Let's fucking talk about that girlfriend because that was just insanity. Mm -hmm. Like how she was in on this plot the entire time partaking in, in the type of abuse that was going on was just madness complete madness and i'm baffled that she's not in jail right now yeah given the allegations i'm baffled that she is not just completely yeah it doesn't make any sense that they that they and, haven't and arrested her yeah yeah i mean yeah but that's the, that's the, power that's what it does yeah clearly um oscar stop eating that he's eating some plastic again mm. sorry guys Really? Like, he's never done this. In yeah, a, it's in only when we yeah. sit down to do this. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's... The whole documentary is horrifying and, 
you know, just when you think it can't get any worse, like it keeps getting worse. Yeah. And, <laughs> you know, like. Please, God, you've scratched. They bring in. Yeah. This matter. They like bring in like people like really famous, powerful people. Yeah. That he's and, friends with. And. Well, that's that's the thing that got pretty intense was the type of defense that he was able to put together. He's stuck now. Yep. <sighs> Are you happy? You happy with yourself? He's stuck on my, uh, well, what is that? Oh, it's the, he's stuck on the green screen like an idiot. Dude, get down. We can't have nice things. We just can't even with you right now. Thank you all very much for your patience. That's what happens when you hang out with cats. They ruin everything. So, where were we? We were talking about powerful people. We were talking about powerful people. Jeffrey Epstein was able to manipulate powerful people by using leverage, by tr- by getting them on their side, doing favors, and then using them in in perfectly strategic points uh in particular when it came time for him to answer for his misdeeds and horrific actions like when he brought in a a legal team of like the top attorneys in the country including like i think he the did they talk about alan dershowitz and the guy who uh who defended oj it wasn't that alan dershowitz maybe it was or um i don't know he had like a whole team and they were all really famous defense attorneys yeah it it was a a murder of attorneys Mm -hmm. just kind of came in and they cleaned up the pieces and he just got away in particular in that miami case with just one count of soliciting prostitution or Mm -hmm. something like that it wasn't even like he served like six months or something like it was like 30 days it wasn't even that much it wasn't a lot. Oh. And they set him up in this prison that, you know, he could just go in in the evening and then yeah, hang out for six hours. He or had like a work order or something there. He could like leave for 12 hours a day yeah. to go work where he continued trafficking young girls in his office. And, and that's when you felt the sort of like the justice system, my idea of the justice system just completely collapse. Mm-hmm. I mean, especially now watching it during this time of, of the protests and the black lives matter movement and all of the injustices that are going on right now. And then you see that on top of it and you're like, man, there is, there is nothing that <laughs> that can be done. Fend for yourselves because it's, it's really, well, it's just cause. kind of, yeah. I mean, it's the, the idea that like, if you have enough money, the justice system means nothing. Like you just put it in your pocket. Yeah. And, and that's they, it. As they say, it's a different justice system than the one average people yeah. get to have. Mm-hmm. And it was on full display. It was incredibly disgusting, but very eye opening in, in that people of that, people at that level feel that they can get away with anything and everything. And there is no. There's no sense of responsibility or accountability for their actions, which, you know, in this, in this country, a lot of people want to say you, you as an, as an individual have to be responsible for yourself. 
and everything that you that you put out into the world, all your actions, that was definitely not what we experienced in the show. I mean, mm-hmm. it was the complete opposite. It it almost felt like he benefited from everything that that went his way. Mm-hmm. It was it was insane. Mm-hmm. But later on, it got to a degree that you. I don't know about you, but it made me feel like conspiracy theories actually are at the level that my insane part of my mind wants to think. Mm-hmm. Because of how absurd the the type of connections he had yeah. were. Like it Yeah, I mean like he, you know, Bill Clinton, Prince showing up to the Prince island. Andrew, like it was like all these really famous powerful people. Right. And, you know, um, when he's arrested finally and isn't allowed out on bail, um, you know the <laughs> the conspiracy theory, conspiracy theory is that he did not commit suicide. That either you know someone in that jail killed him, or you know, um, someone was like came the into British the jail, came out, you know, yeah, and, like. Uh, um and you know when you have people like those powerful people you know that that you're associated with and you're in jail and you're going to go to jail for the rest of your life because of what you did like they don't want you to talk right so and he knows a lot of shit about a lot of people and i personally believe that it was the lizard people so he finally took his form his true form and he was able to leave his human body, mm. and then he he went somewhere mm-hmm. with the queen to hang out mm. for a little bit. That's not true, by the <laughs> way. But there was a uh, uh, something that I found out recently about narcissists because he he was just as malignant as they come uh, in that, um, I guess disorder. But narcissists feel like suicide is is the only recourse once they've they've lost their their power you know once they they have been found or they can no longer manipulate people manipulate yeah it, it's been known that narcissists have a higher tendency of for suicide when something like that happens and mm. so logically i mean according to what they the way they described him as a narcissist uh it stands to reason that he would do that just as yeah this is it and mm-hmm. and also like he probably was fucked like just mm-hmm. in every facet i mean he was he was done for and he wasn't going to get out ever again and yeah he didn't want to give anyone the pleasure of seeing him lose mm-hmm. which is really shitty for the victims it's horrific for the victims and the the troubling thing is that there there is still no answer as to why there was no supervision why the guards weren't there, why, you know, the there were no cameras. Mm-hmm. Um, they did say it was a shithole, like, yeah, it's like the itself. worst, it's like the worst jail in like, I don't know, like the New York area or something. <laughs> um, of course, but what was I going to say? Wait. Um, yeah. But when that happened, I just started laughing. Like, what the fuck, man, this can't be right. This just can't be true. Yeah. It's pretty, oh, the other thing I was going to say is, like, the forensics on his body Mm. came back and were like, this isn't an injury that's consistent with hanging. Mm. 
um, which is how supposedly he died. Um, I don't know. The doctor said that the, or the, maybe not a doctor, the medical examiner said that the, the hyoid bone in your, in your neck, in the neck wasn't broken in the right spots hmm. to be consistent with hanging. Um, and so, you know, that make of that what you will, I guess, but, um, the official cause of death is suicide by hanging, but, um, I don't know. I mean, I don't think it's, I personally don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that someone killed him or had him killed. Mm. Um, you know, there's a lot of conspiracy theories out there and that one seems like the least outlandish to me. Um, and see, this might sound crazy and I hope I, I don't sound insane, but I'm of the opinion that he actually got away. Mm. I'm of the opinion that he bought off whoever he needed, he needed to buy off to get whisked away on the ambulance. Like they wheeled him out for, you know, like him pretending to be dead and, and he got to leave the country after having plastic surgery or some shit. Like mm -hmm. it wouldn't surprise me after watching the type of influence that he wielded on people that he could make that happen. Mm -hmm. How easy it, is it to get the word out and say, this man is now dead. Mm -hmm. How can we verify that oh, Yeah. as, as the, the viewer of the news, there is no way. Mm -hmm. There's no way. So who is going to follow that trail to, you know, the hospital, to the morgue, all of that? It would, it, I think it's within the realm of possibility just because of how fucking evil that dude is. Mm. Yeah, maybe. I mean, he did have endless resources, so. Right. It's not like he couldn't have made that happen. Yeah. But who knows? Um, I don't know. The documentary is really good. It is super heavy. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, we yeah. only watched, I guess we watched maybe two episodes in a row when we finished the it. Last, yeah, the last night. Um, we, we watched it over three nights, I think. Yeah, but generally I would say just watch one episode a night. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Because it's a lot of descriptions of sexual assault and, you know, just like yeah. pretty horrific primary accounts of, of the kind of shit he did. So, um, you know, it's not an easy watch, but it's definitely an interesting watch. And, and it definitely makes you feel like, um, again, there's, there's always that sense of pity and fear in my, in my heart that you you so deeply wish for for the victims to to find the type of healing that they need some of them seem to have that kind of of response after the the trial and and that was a, something else that was worth pointing out is once he he was um i guess once he killed himself the judge could have stopped the trial but he chose not to so he let the victims have their day in court and I thought that was a really powerful way for them to to be able to just sort of let that out mm -hmm. and and to put that part of their lives at at rest and move on and hopefully start healing their their souls and and their future mm -hmm. because those those poor women they they went through some shit yeah like the the one that sticks in my mind um, I can't remember her name but she was the one who said that her her parents were both addicts and when she was like seven or eight years old she saw them beat their 
beat her step-sibling to death, mm-hmm. who was like two. Yeah. And then the Jeffrey Epstein thing happened like four years later, however mm-hmm. old she was. I mean, yeah. that's not, it's not the way to live. It makes you definitely just feel uh, like your heart just getting heavy, but deeply grateful for the type of experience that, you know, that you got to have that was not as broken and, and heartbreaking. So I feel like, you know, I feel for them mm-hmm. still. Yeah. It's, it was a sad state of affairs, but, uh, I think that it's worth a watch as well. Yeah. So, um, we're not going to think to fucking Jeffrey Epstein, mm-hmm. but we recommend that you watch it just so that you're aware of, of the type of reform that is needed Yeah. for uh, our criminal justice system, because this is some bullshit. Mm-hmm. This is some absolute bullshit. Yeah. And that's all I'm going to say about that. Didn't you? Do you want to continue no. talking about this piece of shit, <laughs> well, this horrible demon person? Mm-hmm. No, that's good. We've given him enough airtime. This fucking hell lizard. <laughs> that's it. This is this is all I'm going to say. Mm-hmm. So, do you want to pick it up and, and talk about something later? Yeah. So when after we finished that, <laughs> like the next night, we were like, Jesus Christ, <laughs> we need to watch something that's. Just keep it light, That's man. That's really Please. light and fun. And so we um, we watched The Lovebirds with Kumail Nanjiani and um, Issa now Rae. on Netflix. Now yeah. on Netflix, Yeah, folks. it's on Netflix. Get to it. Um, that was one of those um, COVID uh, pandemic releases, like the early releases. It was supposed to come out in theaters in like oh, the summer. yeah, yeah, yeah. And they just were like, well, that's not happening. So they just released it on Netflix. <laughs> Everything is yeah so that yeah. was kind of cool that they released it um so give me your first impressions on this film um so it's about a couple who are kind of on the rocks they're having some issues and um this isn't a spoiler it's in the trailer um they hit somebody with their car on accident and then that sort of like starts this domino effect of like they get embroiled in this like eyes wide shut shit <laughs> well <laughs> like, they, the i guess the gist is that they have to clear their name before the police yeah. finds them so they have to go on this sort of chase to find more clues about mm-hmm. who the guy was that used their car to kill this person yeah and there's a lot of twists and turns and, mm-hmm. and fun things happening uh, but I'll let you finish your thoughts. Yeah. Um, no, that's that's pretty much it. And um, so my, uh, I don't know, like it was, it's a fun movie. Um, and Kumail Nanjiani and Issa Rae, like they had such great on-screen chemistry. Like they're, I really believed their relationship. Like it was, <laughs> I don't know. It was like, cause in the beginning of the movie, they show like the beginning of their relationship, you know, and like how they met and stuff. And, um, you know, and then obviously like four or five years later, like things aren't going that well and they're fighting. And, um, but yeah, I don't know. Like it was, it's nice to see, you know, black and brown faces as romantic leads. Um, Which, yeah, it was a big draw. I remember you, yeah. you showing me the trailer. I'm like, it's happening. <laughs> it's like, finally, you know, yeah. there's, that's starting to become more commonplace. And yeah. it's, it was so welcomed. Yeah. And it was just like, they're so funny together. And it's just so goofy. And like, it's, 
it just like it brought me so much joy like i was thinking about right. it a few days later even yeah. i was like yeah. i kind of want to rewatch that movie because it yeah. was so much fun well it's the kind of movie you need right now it's a perfect movie for the times that we're in mm -hmm. uh it's obviously there's there's a little bit of action and and stuff like that but they were honest they're the type of comedians that are just mm -hmm. honest and give you the humor that you need just mm -hmm. because it's there in real life and they did such a great job of of selling you that relationship and and giving you that sense of reality to it and i had i had a really fun time i also got to give a shout out to michael showalter who directed the movie oh did he? he's come a really long way and i mean i i've been a fan of his since you know the state and they you know all the fun quirky shit that they've always done with uh stella and mm -hmm. Wet Hot American Summer and a lot of those movies, um, and I think he's he's really coming into his own as a behind the scenes creative person. And this was probably the high point, you know. So hopefully he'll keep going. But kudos to to the direction because mm -hmm. it, it it was able to get the the comedy without sacrificing the realness. Yeah, you know, that that honesty of the relationship, which I yeah. thought they did really well at the beginning too. Yeah, you know, just setting up. That was so sad though. Like when they were in the car on the, on yeah. the way to the party yeah. and then you find that they really can't stand each other yeah. or things have been simmering under the surface mm -hmm. and now Resentments it and comes stuff. to, yeah, it comes to the forefront and it was, <laughs> I felt really sad. Yeah. Really well, like, and because <laughs> they kind of hit you with that, like after showing like how in love they were in yeah. the beginning, you know, how infatuated yeah, yeah, yeah. they were. And then like all of a sudden you're, Four you years get, later and like right. shit's hitting the fan and clearly yeah. things aren't going well. Um, but yeah, that is kind of sad to see. <laughs> to see a relationship like that just like imploding yeah. on itself, you right, know. Right. But I, I feel like I don't want to say too much about the plot because then anything after that you kind of start giving mm -hmm. away mm -hmm. a lot of things. But it makes me want to watch Issa Ray's show. Mm -hmm. She had her own show and then she, I think she started on YouTube. Oh, okay. Like she started doing her own thing and then HBO picked her up and, mm. and um, she did a um, her show there. What's her show called? Like Awkward or? Yeah. It, uh, well, let's look. Internet is that what is it's here. called? I have the tab pulled up Do you? of Lovebirds. So you should be able Love to just birds. like click on her. Yeah, I knew she was, I knew she had had some success on HBO, but I didn't really know much about her aside from that. Um, yeah, and Kumail, is, like, yeah, go ahead. Uh, Issa Rae, uh, Diop, known as Issa Rae, is an American actress, writer, and producer. She first garnered attention for her work on the YouTube web series Awkward Black Girl. Hmm. So, yeah, she started just doing her thing. And and then um, she moved on to doing Insecure. Oh, Insecure. Insecure is the one that I, that I knew of. Mm-hmm. Cool. And she also has a memoir and uh, titled The Misadventures of Awkward Black Girl. Mm -hmm. And yeah, The Lovebirds is her latest, cool. latest thing. So it's it's been awesome. I, I mean, and coming back to it, it's just really refreshing to see, mm -hmm. you know. And it's almost like you feel, okay, um, you know, black and brown people are up to bat. They're going to, they got to carry the movie and holy shit they did you yeah know, they they were so amazing without a doubt never any doubt mm -hmm. 
they they did a wonderful job. So yeah. more than anything, I just people need to support this movie and this kind of content because hopefully this will cr- start helping other films get made like this. Yeah. You know, where yeah, the, you know, the race is an aspect of it because of because of who they are, but they're leading a movie, yeah. You know, on their own terms, and it's really exciting. Mm-hmm. It's really awesome to see. Yeah, I also want to see more romantic action movies. <laughs> uh, I love that genre. Yeah. What was the last one that we got? Like Speed, Date Night, Date. Yeah, yeah. Date, date night. Night's pretty good. Yeah. Um, I can't think. Of well, any there were others. a couple that came out. Like, um, well, it was more of a buddy comedy, but uh, the one with um, the spy who loved me. Wasn't that a romantic comedy or like a mm. like an action comedy? I don't know. Love action. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess so. Falling in love. Yeah. With spice. Yeah. Something like that. I just I like the I guess what I like is the romantic comedy action movie. Mm. Not just romantic. That's that what blending I the rom com genres. Yes. Yeah, I like that. It's quite nice. But uh, but yeah, this movie was fun and um, it's a good you know. It's a good watch. Yeah, that one definitely gets a tink. So let's give it a big tink, unless there's anything else that you want to say. No. Okay. Hope you guys heard that tink. Oh, shit, I'm choking. <clears throat> yes. So, next order of business. Final order of business. Yeah. Um. So the last, <laughs> we debated whether we should end on this or not, but... <laughs> Uh, I think it's fine. Um, Let's talk about morbid shit, right? Yeah. So a friend of mine, friend of the show, Chris, <laughs> um, he uh, lent me a book um, called Mummies, Cannibals, and Vampires, The History of Corpse Medif- Medicine from the Renaissance to the Victorians by Richard Sug. Sug. Sorry, doctor. That's an apt name. Um, <laughs> And um, so essentially I've been learning about (laughs) corpse medicine in the Renaissance and Victorian period (laughs) because this is, this is me now. Yeah. This has always been me. Who am I kidding? Um, So essentially what corpse medicine, I used to think corpse medicine was like medicine I don't know, or like the study of corpses or something. Yeah, like like, the, it, like they just looked at the cadaver yeah. and they said, well, you know, maybe this is, this was caused <laughs> by, you know, eating too much, you know, squirrel or something. <laughs> yeah. Whatever but, they ate back then. But in reality, corpse medicine is literally using a corpse as medicine. <laughs> so, <laughs> so essentially what that means oh, is man. that people back then, doctors, scientists, thought that um eating ingesting imbibing of the of the corpse uh could be used as medicine for myriad of ailments whatever ails you pretty much like literally anything um <laughs> and so things like drinking blood um grinding up human skull and like putting in an ointment um <laughs> tinctures of you know various organs um and you know it was very commonplace and 
you know, royals all the way down to peasants used them, whatever, you know, if a peasant could afford it anyway. So what do you think was the logic of that? Like, where do you think these, this kind of thinking came from? Like from what you, from what you read, what, what do you think was the, sorry, pun intended, the connective tissue between (laughs) (laughs) Um, corpses and then having that be some kind of magical fucking fix to everything? I don't know. I, um, I think it's probably like the belief that, um, there is power in the vitality of the human body and the soul in the human body and that you know, they believed that the soul w- sort of um, was fused to the body mm-hmm. in a way, like in the breath, in the blood, in the brain, like, and and so, in you know, in ingesting that in some way, you are imbuing yourself with those same properties. Um and, you know, for things like epilepsy or fever or you have a fucking cut on your leg, you know, whatever it is, like you get a nosebleed, like you shove some skull moss up there. Like it's, <laughs> it's just like the skull moss. Because yeah, that was hilarious. Yeah. So skull moss is literally just moss that grows on a skeleton, like on a skull when it's left like in the ground or or on the ground depending on the situation and so you said that they they shaved it off of the skull yeah they were just like they do they just like pluck it off and sometimes they would like make um make stuff out of it or they would just um like if you got a nosebleed just shove some up your nose (laughs) and it would stop the bleeding uh probably just because you shoved something absorbent up there but they believed that it was because it was from skull moss that it was that it, it was, was a, like an anticoagulant or something. It stopped mm. bleeding. And then um, you died three weeks later. From yeah, from whatever. whatever. Gangrene. You know, yeah, fermented gangrene. Something else would kill that. you. Um, right. What's fascinating to me is that a lot of these, I mean, obviously, like a lot of these treatments didn't have any effect. Um, but the, like the mental aspect of it the placebo placebo effect effect was so strong in some cases that either by you know by just mentally thinking that it worked sometimes people would recover you know maybe only to die a few months later or whatever (laughs) but um but yeah and i thought that was so interesting that simply because they believed that it worked you know had some it had somehow either either yeah like mentally because the brain is a powerful thing, you know, and if yeah, you and believe I, that something that a doctor is giving you work, I mean, people still, they, doctors right, still do this. Right. And perhaps it sounds stupid, but it, it is that, that sense of your brain being in control of the body mm-hmm. and telling it, this is where you need to divert all of your energies and, and abilities toward fixing yeah. this particular problem. And I, and I think maybe that's sort of the underlying nature of the placebo effect, but it's still it's hard to believe. I mean, yeah. it, it's yeah, pretty crazy. Um, so that's kind of an interesting uh, phenomenon. But did you see any laudable pus? <laughs> no, <laughs> that wasn't. Other, um, I think that might have been later. 
later on, like maybe a couple hundred years. When they understood or they, they took into account the, the pus. Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, healing. it's possible maybe that they had that, that they talked yeah. about that, but um, they had even less of an understanding of things, you know, in the 1600s, yeah. if you can believe that. But um, yeah, so it's... I'm not finished with it. It's it's kind of a dense book. It's an academic text, so it you know it's a little bit um, harder to read. But mm-hmm. um, another interesting aspect of it is the idea of mummy of using mummy as um, as medicine and and how the word mummy actually referred to different things depending on the context, depending on um, you know the time period that w- one was using the word um, because initially. You know, like they were literally like raiding Egyptian tombs, <laughs> and so you know, raiding these tombs and like bringing these mummies back, and and these were the imperialists, right? Like the the British people, or, or yeah, English. I mean, not just other... the English, but you know, Europeans at that time. The... Yeah. Okay. Um, specifically, this book is mostly talking about about um England, but they mm. he does go a little bit out into Europe. Um, but yeah, I mean, they were just like looting these, these tombs and bringing back mummies and grinding up the mummy. And, and then there was like, uh, controversy about like whether the mummy that you were getting was actually real or if it was just like, just shredded toilet paper, (laughs) just like, just like these, well, they would like, they would, um, some like criminals would like try to imitate mommy so they would like take dead bodies and they would like <laughs> they would like do stuff to them to make it make them look like mummies and then like grind those up and like yeah. uh, supposedly they weren't as good as the egyptian right. like the real thing yeah um well, there's no money in being a like a set designer or a prop master so yeah. they had to go into the next best thing <laughs> yeah it's like generic mummies. mummy like right, not the right. real deal um <laughs> brand but uh but yeah, so that was, it's kind of a cool, uh, I don't know. I just, I never thought about that. And I was like, yeah, like how many mummies are we just, how many like tombs did we just not get to in time because they just plundered the shit out of them? Yeah. You know, I think the, all the royals that didn't get their own special pyramid, that's really the realm that we're yeah, talking probably. about, right? Yeah, probably. Yeah, just like normal like, people. These were accessible, you know, they're a couple of feet underground. But that's what the rich people wanted was the pharaohs. They didn't want the peasants. They were like, I don't want that peasant money exactly. shit. Yeah. I yeah. want the good shit, the pharaoh <laughs> shit, you know? And so um, so I'm sure that, you know, they did get to a lot of them. But um, yeah, I don't know. The book is, it's really interesting and uh, gross. And, <laughs> um, but, you know, kind of right up my alley. So, yeah. yeah. And uh, I think that it's, it sounds intriguing. So thanks, uh, Chris, friend of the show, for the <laughs> yeah, recommendation. Yeah, thanks for the recommendation. Yeah. We have very similar tastes in yeah. uh, medical history. <laughs> do you want to do you want to tink to that one or tink to it later? Yeah, we can tink to it now. Right. Two out of three, and fuck Jeffrey Epstein. Yeah, he's the worst. He is the worst. Did you want to share with folks uh, what we were hoping to do before we sign off? Yeah, um, we've kind of been in talks um, about me contributing to the blog um to your blog um yes. in the form of book reviews or book write-ups of some yeah. kind um and i'm hoping that the first one i work on is going to be for it which i fi- finished i don't know a couple weeks ago right um 
I don't know. I have a lot to say about it. And so I think, you know, I could actually, I think it'll be, it'll be good to get it and write writing. something full about yeah. it. Cause I, um, I value your, your academic and intellectual contribution. <laughs> and we have kind of a, a little tiny platform that I think we can use to, to get your point of view out there. So I'm really excited about it. I think that it's, it's going to complement the blog really well because I just talk about my ramblings and to have some actual substance there for once will be really nice. Uh, so keep an eye out on that because it's going to be, it's going to be awesome. Maddie's going to start contributing here soon, hopefully. Mm -hmm. And uh, keep reading. Keep doing your thing. Yep. And fuck Jeffrey Epstein. That's my <laughs> catchphrase tonight. Um, subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. You can email us at ourkidsasleep at gmail.com. Please tell us that the show is awesome <laughs> and that you sat through most of it and have some questions. Uh, let us know if you're a friend of the show. We will have you on one of these days because. Uh, we want to use that roadcaster to start mm. interviewing some folks and yeah. talking to friends. Yep. So let us know old friends or new friends. <laughs> we'll be here. <laughs> Are we done? Yeah. <laughs> Good night guys. Bye.